Our Lord and our God, we want to thank you for another time of fellowship. Another time, O oh God, to be in your presence and to receive from you. I yield my vocal call to you, O Lord, that you speak through me this morning. Whatever it is, O Lord, that you have for each and every one of us, let it come forth. My personal ideas, O Lord, they will not come up, but what you have me to say, let it come forth in the name of Jesus. I ask, O Lord, that everyone receive the blessing that you have ordained for us today, O God. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. I'm going straight to the word and what the Lord laid in my heart. Amazing grace in the book of Philemon. Amazing grace in Philemon. So we go to that book of Philemon. It's a short book. And... There are some things we need to take away from that book of eternal value. We're going to read from verse 1 to 20 and take notes of important points. Book of Philemon. Paul's consigned for a slave. I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archibos, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Let me stop there so far. Now, Philemon was a believer in Christ, not just a believer, a co-laborer with Apostle Paul, and not just that, a convert of Apostle Paul, while he ministered in a place called Colossae. And the church was meeting in their house. In those days, they didn't have buildings, fantastic buildings like this. They were meeting in house, houses called the house churches. And Philemon was a host to the church. And so Paul is commending him. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus and towards all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, I thought I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Yet, for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner 
of Jesus Christ. Verse 10. I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, my own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother, beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he had wronged thee, or owed thee aught, put that on my account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand, I will repeat, Abit, I do not say to thee how thou owest me, even thy own self besides. Verse 20. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my powers in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yes, you may just take a cursory look at that passage and say, oh, beautiful story. But we're going to learn something about the grace of God in action in this passage today, in this story. Philemon, like we know, means affectionate in Greek. Means affectionate. And actually, he was an affectionate brother. He was a loving brother. He cared for the church. And the church met in their house. Not just that. What will follow later will tell us that really this is a beloved brother. He had a slave. At that time, it was normal, it was popular to have slaves. Well, today we call them servants, but they were slaves. They were not ashamed that they had slaves. Slaves to them were properties, like property that you go and buy, just like an automobile. You go and buy it and it becomes your property. That's how he had a, a, a slave called Onesimus. Onesimus in Greek means profitable, useful. We also find out how that this man was not useful at first, but later on, through the gospel, he became useful. Praise the Lord. Hmm. So in the sight, it was accepted. Slavery was accepted at that time. But people made a difference. Because Onesimus, as a slave, was a property I had no right to defraud his master. In fact, he could be killed if he did that. But that's exactly what he did. He ran away slave. He ran away from his master and checked out just like the prodigal child looking for greener pastures where to establish. By God's providence, this slave went to Rome far away 
And while Paul was in prison in Rome, that is where Odysseus got converted. Praise the Lord. Through Apostle Paul. Isn't that wonderful? The Apostle Paul, even as a prisoner, he was still useful to the Lord. He still better somebody while in prison. That's exactly what happened. So both Philemon and Onesimus, they are both his children in the Lord. But one thing we need to know is that God's love is wonderful. How God brought this servant, this slave, who ran away from his master, and God converted, and then was connected to Paul, who was the father in the Lord to Philemon. See the relationship. A time came, Paul had to make a decision. See, this man, this man is giving his life to Christ, and is very useful to me even as a prisoner. One might say, why not don't retain him? Let him keep on serving you. We are doing the work of God. You are doing the work of God. It doesn't matter if Philemon is a good man, he's a good brother, he's a good brother. Nevertheless, a thought also came to him that, look, this is not fair. There's what we call Christian ethics, whether you know it or not. Just like in all professions, you have ethics of the profession. In Christianity, there ought to be ethics that guide our behavior, reading in our hearts and in the word of God. Paul said, no, I can't retain this man. I can't retain him. He's my son, quite all right. Even the master is my son. And uh, I know this is somebody's property. Therefore, he tended to return him to his former master. And look at what he said in an attempt to return him. He don't just give a command, you know, you are my son, you are my son. Uh, just, just take this guy along, he's also my son. No, he pleaded. He pleaded for Philemon to accept him. He gave him reason why he should accept him. That look, this man was once a servant to you. Then he was unprofitable. But right now, he has known the Lord. His case is different now. He has been transformed now. He has a new family now. He is now born again. He is now a member of the family of God. Please accept him. He will be more profitable to you at this time, even than when he was with you. Then with the provider, look, if he had stolen anything from you, and the story went that he actually stole from the master, say, I will repay it. Why would he repay it? My son stole from my son. I know we are one. Why would there be any need for him to repay Philemon? It may be for conscience sake. Many of us, we don't really care. It's like as if our conscience are here. We do many things. We take brothers and sisters for granted. We do not give them the due respect and honor that they deserve. Apostle Paul did not take it for granted. In the book of Acts, chapter 24, verse 16, Apostle Paul was very mindful of his conscience. Therefore, he said this. Let's go to Acts, chapter 24. 
see what Apostle Paul has to say concerning conscience. Acts chapter 24, verse 16. And herein do I excite myself to have always a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. This is what Apostle Paul had in mind. He did not take Philemon for granted. He pleaded with him to accept Onesimus back. So we too should learn likewise. When we are dealing with fellow brothers, we should not take them for granted. As for Onesimus, he is now born again. He has changed. God has touched his life. And when Paul said, let us go back to your former master, he didn't have any, any hesitation. He was willing to face all the consequences, which could be death, death penalty if need be. But for conscience sake, that look, I stole from my master and I had to go back and make restitution. I had to tell him I'm sorry. That's why he was willing, all for conscience sake, so that you have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards man. My brothers and sisters, we should equally endeavor to do that. We also see the grace of God in action in this uh, book. How that the grace of God found Onesimus while he was wandering away in sin. That's how all of us were. We're scattered in various places, cities and countries and nations. But God is mercy found us out. Amen. Once we were lost, but now we are found. We are told that for that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin came upon the whole world. And God made a provision at that time to set man free. Way back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, he made a promise about the seed of the woman. And the seed of the woman is Jesus Christ. He came, he went all the way to Calvary and he died for us. To forgive us and to reconcile us back to the Father. God forgave Jacob. Jacob was a trickster. He tricked his brother, the birthright, and even why the brother was pursuing him to harm him. He wrestled with God and he found grace with God and his name changed from Jacob to Israel, a prince with God. Amen. He had an encounter and God restored him. That's what mankind needs today. We need God's encounter. As many as have gone astray, they need God's encounter. Even the Lord chose some disciples and throughout the ministry, many of them did not believe him. Yes, they believed quite all right, but at the same time, they did not believe everything he said. They did not believe that he would die and rise again. That is why when Jesus was crucified, you know, there were some people who went on their way to a mouse. And there they were discussing, oh, this man was good. This man who have been the savior, this man, you know, he fed many people, he healed many people, and all. But you see, here we are today, he's no longer with us. 
And Jesus happened to just be in their midst. And he was walking with them on the way to Emmaus. Thank God for his mercy. He didn't say, oh, you people, of all that I did for you, for all these three three and a half years, you never believe me. Oh, I give you up. He never gave up. God will not give up on you in Jesus' name. No matter how you are right now, you are a work in progress. And God is working on you, but allow him to finish the work. You become a masterpiece for the Lord in Jesus' name. So he pardoned them. He opened their eyes. He broke bread with them. And they saw, oh, this is even Jesus in their midst. Praise the Lord. That's what happened. When we go as so when we are in unbelief, God is mercy. He finds us out. So the unbelieving disciples, they were reconciled back to him, even after resurrection. God showed mercy and compassion unto them. Amen. The book of Philemon opens with greeting to Philemon. We have said that. And another thing, even that Paul did not just give instruction to Philemon, we should take note of that. Philemon's acceptance of his favor of his former slave is to teach us how God forgives and accepts sinners into the fellowship with him in God's family. Amen. Amen. Philemon represented, you know, God the Father, who is love. We are told that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He had the mind of the Father. When he accepted Onesimus back, how do I know that he accepted him back? We are going to see from the scripture that he accepted him back. And that's how God accepts us. When we have gone astray, even like the prodigal child we mentioned earlier, that man was accepted back by the Father. God is a compassionate God. If you know of any backslider, tell that person all hope is not lost. Amen. Amen. It's not lost. Not over until it is over. God can still accept them. But, amen. Paul typifies what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary and, and actually paid the supreme price for us. We are told in 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 to 22. For as much as she know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen. Yes. Jesus paid the supreme price for us for our redemption. That is why today we are his purchased possession. He did not just take things for granted say Satan no, I created you. I have authority over you. Give me those people. Give me that man. Give me that woman. No, I want them to become my son. No, he paid the price. Praise the Lord. No wonder Apostle Paul was already was ready to pay the price for acceptance of Onesimus. If he has stolen anything from you, I will repay. Stood as a guarantor. Praise the Lord. God is wonderful. God is awesome. In this book also, we can learn so much about soul winning. We'll see how Nisimus was reconciled to the Heavenly Father 
I became a member of the church of God. Both master and slave became members of the church of God in the same city, in the same house. Wonderful. That is the love of God in action. We can learn lessons about soul winning from this book of Philemon. Number one, that no one can run away from the reach of God's providence. No matter how you think, oh, when you are going on witnessing or evangelizing or outreaches, have the soul winner's heart. The soul winner's heart is so that he expects that God can do anything with anybody. He doesn't, the soul winner's heart is so that you don't look at somebody and condemn that person. Oh, this person can never make heaven. If this person is like this, can never make heaven. You don't, you are not judgmental. You are not there to judge the people, but you are there to publish the good news. No matter how bad they are, that God can rescue them and get them reconciled and make them children of God. Amen. Yes, as many are receiving, give them power to become sons of God. That is how it was with Onesimus. He ran away slave and he became profitable in the kingdom of God because he had accepted Christ Jesus. So both the rich and the poor can accept the gospel. Amen. Amen. Don't restrict it only to the poor when you are preaching, when you are witnessing out there because the grace of God is for all men. In those days, the main demarcation was Jews and Gentiles. Today, there are many others. Political divides coming, the rich and the poor, and then some people they bring in color and all that. But we are all one, lost and need redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We were witnessing yesterday and somebody was talking about racism, that God loves white people and his black. That's not true. God loves every one of us. As many as repent, we accept them back. So when you go witnessing, have that mind, have the mind of Christ that whosoever you meet, you plan the word of God, that person can repent. They may look so bad now. For example, there was a man so wicked, was so deep in the court in Nigeria. Very, very, very wicked. And nobody could approach him. Neither did anybody preach to him. But someday, somehow, some little children, they were out there on evangelism and they were sharing the Jesus. Please come to our crusade. Come to our crusade. Little children, you know, I say we should have the mind of children. We should be childlike. They didn't fear anybody. They didn't care who was here. When they were ready to crusade, Jesus lost you. The man was surprised. Why? Hmm. You don't know who I am? Nobody dares talk to me about that man, Jesus. Nobody dares come to me. And you, you, you little children, you want to die? The children say, no, we are just inviting you to the crusade and all that. And by the way, Papa, is there nothing that you have prayed for or you desire that you have not gotten that you want God to do for you? The man was sincere. Say, yes, look, my wife right now is dying. I think about the 16th wife. He had married. At the point of delivery, they would die. At the point of delivery, they would die. At the point of delivery, they would die. This one was again almost at the point of delivery and he was afraid. He said, this is one thing I have not been able to do for myself. 
Can you pray and can your God hear us? Yes. And the children pray with him. And instantly the bleeding stops. And this convinced the master. Wonderful. I'll come to your crusade. That's how he got saved. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yes. So there are cases like that when we are out there witnessing. God can save both the rich and the poor. Both the one who think they are very wicked now and those who think they are simple. In fact, sometimes I take the grace of God for granted myself. I don't think that, oh, I'm saved. It's just like that. It's not cheap for anybody to be saved. It's not cheap. So for somebody to be truly saved, not religious. Anybody can be religious and go to church. To be truly saved, oh, it's really the great, great grace of God. I'm praying for all members of my family that they will know God. But there are still some of them who are still bent on their religion and they will not yield. If it were with my power and by my power, I would have seen Satan, but I cannot. I keep praying for them that someday, somehow, God will touch their lives. Amen. Amen. It's the pure grace of God. So when we are witnessing, let us know that it's the grace of God that reaches out to these people. It's not by power, it's not by mouth. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Yes, in Philemon chapter 1, verse 9, we are told something about Paul. Paul was now an aged one. Paul was now growing old. Chapter 1, verse 9. You see, Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Imagine Paul in that condition. He was old, no longer youthful. I was under the surveillance of Roman soldiers. He was not in a comfortable situation. Nevertheless, he continued to do the work of God while alone and lonely in prison. Think about that. Out of this, he preached and won Onesimus to the Lord. If you were the one, would you have the mind to win so? If God cannot deliver me out of this chain, why should I even witness for him? No. Some of us will be tempted to think like that. We must realize that Christ likeness is a lifetime pursuit. Lifetime pursuit. And living for Christ should be our lifestyle from the day we're born again to the day Christ calls us home. Amen. This is reflected in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. What does it say? Say, preach the word in season. An out of season. That means whether it is favorable or not. Anywhere, anytime, any place we can be witnesses for Jesus. We shouldn't be ashamed of Christ. Paul was in prison, an old man. He never ceased to be a witness for Christ. And I told you, I'll give you a scripture to know that Onesimus' salvation was genuine. There are people who claim to be saved today and their life are not changed any bit. But they profess Christ. It's like head knowledge. They just have some kind of religion. It's not supposed to be like that. When this sermon got saved, and indeed he was saved. Amen. Amen. When Paul was converted, a persecutor, he was indeed saved. He made a U-turn for Christ. He was going this way and going to Damascus. Made a U-turn, complete U-turn. 
He that was persecuting Christian, he himself became persecuted. People took him for real because his life had actually changed. Is your life transformed and changed? Or do you just profess to be a Christian? Are you just a professing Christian or a practicing Christian? May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 9, we are told about Onesimus. And I want us to read that passage. Colossians chapter 4, verse 9. What does it say? Paul was writing to the church at Colossae. Remember, Philemon was in Colossae and his house, the church. With Onesimus, a faithful and a beloved brother, who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all things which are done here. So that's a testimony about the life of Onesimus, a former slave. He was changed through and through. There was no pretense about his conversion. In your life, examine your life. Is everything new in your life? Second Corinthians 5, 17 says that if any man be in Christ, a new creature. If it happens that any man come to Christ or is in Christ, it's a brand new creature. All things pass away. You were given to alcohol before. Alcohol was your master. This time, alcohol will no longer be your master. Jesus takes over. Amen. You were given to drugs. And all kinds of abuses. This time around, it shouldn't be so anymore. Otherwise, you make a mockery of conversion. Say, I am saved. I am saved. And there is nothing to show that you are saved. Bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. If you say you are saved, bring forth fruit, meat for repentance in Jesus' name. So, we should examine ourselves. All those who profess, we are born again, I am born again. You profess that you are born again. Has your life truly turned around? If it's just head knowledge, it's an opportunity to have a routine and say, Lord, have mercy upon me. I really want to know you for real. That's what we desire. With the power of the gospel, master and slaves can become children of God, brothers and sisters, even in the household of God, and eternally. In Philemon chapter 1, verse 15, say, for perhaps he therefore departed for a reason, for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. What does that mean? Paul is saying, look, it could be that God's, God's, this is even God's will and God's plan, that that man should have, should have left your house. If he had not left your house, possibly he wouldn't have been saved. But that he should know you, he should know the Lord Jesus Christ now, and that Forever you have fellowship with him. Forever. Believe in the hereafter. That after this life there is the hereafter. Amen. Amen. So as many as are born again. And they are truly serving the Lord. We are going to live with them forever. Even those who have died. We are going to see them again. And we are going to live with them forever. In the presence of God. Amen. Nisimus remember. His name means beneficial. Profitable and useful. But initially it was not so. The grace of God turned his life around. And now, indeed, he's Onesimus. Even though he was Onesimus at that time, he didn't live in accordance with his name. But now, indeed, he's profitable, he's beneficial, and he's useful. Which in time past was to be unprofitable. 
but now profitable to thee and to me. Philemon chapter 1, verse 11. Note, of great importance is the subject of forgiveness in this book of Philemon. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, how God forgives our sin and takes account of them no more. No? True forgiveness is to treat the one we have forgiven as if they have never sinned against us. Is that the case with you? I mean, is that the case with those you have forgiven who have offended you in time past? As the Lord forgave and cleansed us at the new birth and gave us a new identity, He gave us a new image. New personality. We are no longer slaves. We are heirs with God. Amen. Amen. I'm an heir of God. And I join her with Christ. I'm an heir of God. And I join her with Christ. I'm an heir of God. And I join her with Christ. I'm not a servant in God's kingdom. I'm a son. Wonderful, a slave becoming a brother in Christ. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ has forgiven you. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Ephesians 4, 31. That's God's counsel to us. Apostle Paul had to write this one to the sense of God at Ephesus. Say, let all bitterness. Are you bitter with a brother or sister? We are not even just talking about a congregation, whether GMI congregation, no. In the body of Christ. Because there are some people who offend brother or sister in one church and they can't stay. They run to another church Thinking that, oh, forget, forget the offenses and all that. We are still within the same body of Christ. It's better we are making things right with God all the time. Amen. Amen. Yes. And be sincere without malice, without bitterness, without wrath, without anger, without clamor, and without evil speaking. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ, for, for Christ's sake, have forgiven us. We are children of God today because we have been forgiven. Amen? Once we owe the debt, we could not pay. But Jesus came and paid it all for us. Amen? Death of sin. We're separated from God. We didn't know God. You know, we're in darkness. But God is mercy through the preaching of the gospel. Found us and redeemed us. Forgave us. Cleansed us. Purified us. Feed us and is using us today. Amen. Amen. We should have that same mind. In our homes, we need forgiveness. In our extended families, we need forgiveness. In our place of work, we need forgiveness. Even in our schools, wherever we interact with people, people offend us, we need to forgive them. Some people have stopped worshiping in the particular church because of offenses. Oh, the pastor offended me. The wife offended me. That's why I'm no longer in this church. As if you are running from the presence of God. Can you really run from the presence of God? No. Instead of making things right, somebody offends you. What do you do? You have offended me. No, why do you do this? 
Even if you cannot win that, brother, what did the Bible say? Take somebody along with you. Say, please, tell this guy, look, he's wronged me and he's not accepting it. If he still doesn't hear, take another person again, too, you know, and try to make peace. That's the grievance procedure we have in Christendom. How many follow? How many people follow that grievance procedure? Somebody offends you, oh, pack your bag, your luggage, and go out of the church, thinking that all is well. You can't run from God like that. Praise the Lord. So marriage are failed because of unforgiveness. My my husband did this to me, and I never expected it. A breach of contract. Therefore, divorce. It shouldn't be so with Christian. Learn to have forgiving heart. Forgiving. You must learn to forgive one another because we wrong one another. The mouth, in the mouth, you have the tongue and the teeth. They are always there together. Sometimes don't they quarrel. Sometimes they quarrel and, and the teeth will bite the tongue. They too tough. But you see, later on, they play together and he, there'll be healing and then relationship continues. Brothers and sisters do offend one another. Husband and wives do offend one another. Even best friends can offend your best friend. To, to, to err is not, is not uh, bad. But you see, to receive forgiveness is divine. Amen. Amen. So let the Lord heal our homes. Where there is bitterness, hatred, envy, slander, let the love of God take control in Jesus' name. As Jesus forgave us, let us learn to forgive one another. And Jesus Christ told us about the parable of the man who would not forgive his debtor. Even though he owed so much to the master, he was forgiven. But when he met somebody who owed him much less, no, he said, no, I must buy you over as a slave. I must sell you today because you can't pay. And when the master heard the story, oh, he said, no, even though I had forgiven you, no longer I'm going to put you back now so that you have reversed everything. Praise the Lord. Let us learn from that parable. And Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, 25 to 26, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. What Philemon did to Nisemo is wonderful, to accept him back, despite all us. He, the law, the Roman law, supported that if a slave came back, he had, the master had right to do anything, even to kill the slave, for running away and for defrauding you, that kind of thing. But... The love of God, the love of God superseded all the law, the rule of law and all that. So law and grace interplay in this book of Philemon. But we see grace taking over. Amen. Amen. Now Jesus Christ himself gave us an example why he was being crucified. He prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not what they do. Jesus gave us example. Somebody will say, oh, that's Jesus, the God-man. He could do that. What about Stephen? He was being stoned. Not that they were shot. <laughs> Stephen was being stoned. Slowly was dying. Slowly, the, the, the missile would hit him. 
and gradually, gradually was crumbling and crumbling. At the end, he said, Father, please do not lay this sin to their charge. In Acts chapter 7, 57 to 60. And they stole Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had thus said it, he fell asleep. That's the first matter of the Bible. So we should learn from that. I want to tell you two stories about forgiveness and unforgiveness. Now a lady had a brother whom she was not happy with. For one reason or the other, they were not communicating. After many years, about 20 years thereabouts, this lady had a message about forgiveness. For once, it meant something to her. And then she went and said, ah, but I have a brother that I hate or who hates me and we are not on talking terms. I must summon courage to do something. Therefore, she picked up her phone and called the brother for the first time after so many years. And it was to say, I am sorry, my brother. I'm sorry. I'm the offender. And they reconciled that very moment. The story goes that that woman had a sickness that she had prayed for, for God to heal her. She had gone to pastors and apostles and prophets and there was no solution. That sickness did not go away. But immediately, and the moment she reconciled with her brother, that sickness took flight. Think about that. Forgiveness and unforgiveness. Another Two ladies, I may have said it before, but for emphasis. Two ladies were in the same church. They were like cat and rat. Cat and rat. They wouldn't sit close to one another. But one day, the church was so full, and accidentally, unquote, they sat close to one another. Wow! Very, very uneasy. Why should I sit near this lady? Why? Oh, my God. Very uneasy, and the pastor noticed it right away. I said, Yes, today is today. If you are a Christian, be a Christian. Why would you keep grudges? Why would you keep malice for so long? Why can't you forgive one another? As the pastor said, that spirit of conviction came upon them, and they started to embrace one another and say, Lord. My sister, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You don't say, I'm sorry, I'm the one, I'm sorry. You don't say, no, I'm the one, I'm the one. Please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And they were now sobbing tears, you know, repentance, forgiveness. And miracles happened as they did that. One of them had goiter swelling on the neck. For many years, I prayed, and that oppression will not go. That affliction will not go. But immediately, this repentance, this, this reconciliation took place. That goiter vanished. No pastor laid hands on her. No brother, no sister laid hands on her. The other one, her only problem was receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've been praying, praying. Oh, brother. Brother, so and so I received the Holy Ghost. Sister, so and so I received the Holy Ghost. In the, you see, 
I even knew the Lord before them. Why my why is my case so different? For yes, nobody goes baptism. Until that day and time when they reconciled with one another, she burst into tongues and was baptized in the Holy Ghost beautifully. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. This is what forgiveness can do, as we have learned in this book of Philemon. And I want to close with this from the medical field. Unforgiveness can be defined psychologically as the emotional imbalance due to delayed response to where rather on the other side there are benefits of forgiveness i'm talking from the medical point of view right now benefits of forgiveness medically forgiveness facilitates the process of recovering from mental trauma it is very important for mental stability and suppresses negative stresses praise the lord i don't want to go far into that but tell you from scripture, from the master Jesus, we have seen the importance of forgiveness. You cannot say you are a Christian if you have not been forgiven. If Christ had not forgiven you, there's no way you can say, I'm a child of God today. But because he forgave you, you too, you are made to forgive people who offend you. Forgive your husband, forgive your wife. Straight relationship, friendship can be restored through forgiveness. I'm a living witness to a marriage that was restored after many, many years of separation. And both remained unmarried. It happened that when we preached the gospel to him, he brought the wife back. Some old man went back in Nigeria. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I know there are many others like that. Forgiveness is. So let us learn to have the mind to forgive one another when we offend one another if people have offended you please discharge them otherwise you become the prisoner yourself the moment you see them you have that anger beat up in you you are hurting yourself psychosomatic sickness and diseases can result that will not be your portion in the name of jesus Amen. if you are here you have not known jesus you've not had an, a genuine encounter with jesus it's just be churchianity just be going to church going to church People talk about religion, religion, religion. You want to preach, oh, I don't, I don't have religion, I don't believe in religion. We're talking about personality of Jesus Christ, relationship. So make sure you are sure about your salvation. Make your calling and election sure so that this unforgiveness cannot hinder us. If unforgiveness can separate marriage, can separate friendship, don't you think unforgiveness can hinder you from making heaven? I think it can. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, O God, for giving your words, giving it to me. I pray, O Lord, my brothers and sisters, you have heard your counsel today concerning forgiveness, concerning your grace, O Lord, towards mankind, concerning your salvation power, the power of reconciling men back to God. Heavenly Father, I pray, O Lord, that every strange relationship among us within us be healed in the name of Jesus. That the love of God will take over our life. Unconditional love of God. Help us, O God, to live a life that is void of offense towards God, void of offense towards man, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless your hearts.